Well, you've heard of the Yogi Berra line. It's deja vu all over again. And today on stage 19, it's somewhat mirror stage 14. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and Yogi Berra, he would be proud. Not Yogi Bear, Yogi Berra. Uh, how did the best classics writers in the world mess this one up? Well, we're going to talk about that. Results and reactions from stage 19. We get to the bottom of the KOM points on the individual time trial for stage 20. Some bike swaps are all the rage. Uh, who's going to do that? Team tactics. Are they difficult to understand? Well, Sunweb seems to uh, get them right. Some things that make you go, hmm, the ride of the day. And does the UCI have the authority to strip down Roglic's bike and search for a motor? It's Friday, September 18, 2020. And this is the Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 201. Let's join in our favorite, our one and only Chris Flower. Chris, um, you had a Yogi Berra line as well. Not Yogi Bear, but Yogi Berra, right? I've got some, I've got some Yogi Bear lines too, if you want to talk about picnic <laughs> I do. No, but uh, Jellystone, <laughs> right? Uh, the other one that, that kind of struck out to me was um, we we can swap cycling for baseball, but uh, cycling is ninety percent mental, and the other half is physical. And, and I think that came into play in the finish of today's stage too. Yes, yes, it did. Um, by the way, we you a Yogi Berra fan? I mean, I remember you know good old number eight catcher there going out. Jumping up on doing the bear hug to uh, Don Larson, I think, on his perfect game in the, yeah. the World Series. We just don't have those moments anymore. Are we even? Are you even watching baseball or any other sports right now? Not really. I, I do remember watching Yogi in his prime. Um, I was really? around then going to the games. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I haven't really watched much baseball this year, unfortunately. Um, it, it's just been difficult to get back into it and catch back up to the schedules. But it, don't want to go too far off in a tangent. But it's interesting watching baseball footage from that era and just seeing how different it was like it was a lot more like little league in the sense that when when the catcher was done with his half inning he would just leave his mitt like behind home plate uh, right. you don't get that these days i mean now it's much more formal and structured and it sports overall have, have changed a lot in 50 60 years so but yogi bearisms are always fun to look on they are so the, the little bit of a deja vu we'll talk about this i'll do a quick recap and then we'll go into some of these things so uh borg and Bresse, i don't know to champagne and you just don't enunciate it that's how i've determined to speak french 166 kilometers i think this ends in right near um pinot's hometown one cat three uh a sprint a little bit rolling expected the break to go cavania goes about 130k out there's i don't know 50 60k there's that sprint point Costafoy and roland kind of take off to try to catch him leaves this intermediate sprint between bennett mateo trenton and sagan and sagan have you seen him um beat bennett in anything this year like heads up when they've both been able to have a chance at least in the tour i i haven't and it's continuing well, out. that sprinted uh stage whatever it was when sagan got relegated he technically beat bennett there but, that that's true uh, outside of that no it's uh bennett's definitely leveraged his lead out team a lot more effectively and has just shown that he's the better sprinter Right. Do you remember, uh, was it Remy Cavagna, I think, going over Mount Hamilton and down into Morgan Hill uh, when he was having a lot of <laughs> descending problems? I believe that was him. I'm pretty sure it was. Pretty, it, pretty positive. It sounds right. Yeah. When yeah. it was like, you know, this guy might not get down the hill, at least not on the road. Right. So he has like uh, a one. Was, Go ahead. I was saying it, it was definitely frightening. Right. So he has like a one minute lead there. Those guys try to bridge up to him. Then they have the sprint. Like I said, and it looks like from then, um, those sprint guys just decide to keep on going. And then next thing you know, some yeah. shuffling happens. There's a crash in the back with Sivakov. Uh, Uran goes down. And with that, a little bit of slowing of the pace. 
Next thing you know, you have like 12 riders up the road and they are stacked with classic riders. Uh, well, there was a little bit of shuffling before yeah. that. So after the intermediate sprint, you had what five guys kind of roll off the front and keep the pace up. And I think there were enough guys in the Peloton that were like, Hey, I want to own that too. So it got pulled back and um, I think it was Nason and Trentine countered off that capture and that's what triggered the final break. So there was a, there was a lot of moving parts there uh, that, that came into play. That's and correct. I think most of that happened after they rolled back in uh, the Remy group. That's true, because Roland and Kostnafoy, they did not end up in that break. And next thing you know, you have, right. well, Luke Rowe had made some attempts. Uh, so uh, you then have Luke Rowe, Sagan, <laughs> Oliver Nason, uh, Sam Bennett, Dries Devenens, who Bennett's teammate, uh, Jesper Stoyven, uh, track Greg Van Avermaet and Trenton from CCC, Jack Bauer and Luca Metzget from Mitchell Scott, Nikias Sorenkart Anderson from Team Sembweb, um, 25TK, and you had Bosenhagen, Kalkard, and Hofstetter. Kind of like everybody that needed to, hey, we haven't had anything yet. We're not going to win the time trial. We're not going to win in Paris. We got to get up the road for this, except for Lotto, because we saw Caleb dangling off the back and maybe just seemingly uninterested. I don't know, or bike trouble or leg trouble. I, I think he just looked beat. I mean, he was he was struggling. He had been falling back to the cars before that to you know get a sticky bottle here and there just to get over some of the softer rollers. So I, I don't think he had any interest in a sprint today. Uh, his his legs just probably weren't there. The mountains were were rough. Uh, the last three stages were probably just wearing him out. So it was a good day for him just to survive. And with that break up there, everyone that you would want on your team for a sprint finish is represented except for Caleb, uh, you know, then those three guys in the middle maybe, and maybe Wout, but they're not concerned about that. So Lotto comes to the front, not Lotto Jumbo, but Lotto uh, Sudal um, comes to the front and they try to, you know, do a little work. And then next thing you know, DeGant's like saying, pull the plug and that break's gone. Yeah. And, 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 and it's right. a classic showdown, right? It's like Flanders or one of these where you've got all these great guys off the front so what were you expecting, you know, 20-some K out there with uh, some of those teammates, and uh, what did you kind of expect to happen? With with that group that was left, if, if you see who's there and, and who has teammates, so you had Jack Bauer, who was going to be a workhorse for Luca, and you had Dries Devinis, who was going to be a workhorse for, for Bennett. I assume that those two, plus who was working for who at, at Sunweb, you figure Nikki Azarnt is the better sprinter, so I was kind of in the assumption that Soren would have been working for him and they would just keep the pace high to keep it together to try and set up a field sprint um, or maybe get it to a couple of K to go where those guys can make attacks. But I didn't expect it to play out the way it did. Um, I, I kind of felt that it would stay together quite a bit longer until some more uh, attacks went. And I also was surprised that Trentine and, and, Van Avermaet didn't work better together, but um, as you noted, they haven't had any wins this year, so they're probably desperate for, for a win in this tour. I believe both guys have contracts with new teams for next year, so uh, are they really playing the team role? Doubt it. Um, and they're both kind of alpha-level riders on their existing team, so they both want to win. Trentine's in the point, so they probably weren't um, working that well together either. Yeah, yeah. So but, you see Trentine taking a dig, trying to get rid of Bennett, it looks like, because Bennett was kind of suffering. On There's some pitchy climbs in there. And Sagan yeah. closes it down. Um, on his wheel, though, is Sam Bennett, and there's a string of guys. And they're, then they, they catch him, and they – I rewatched it just a few minutes ago. 
and they float for a while. They just they just kind of float. They're they're not really doing anything. They're they're trying to kind of. As a matter of fact, let me. I I have this. Put this up here on the screen. Um, you could kind of see this this <laughs> photo I'd snagged here for the thumbnail. But um, those guys are sitting there. Anderson attacks, and there's absolutely nobody that's even looking to follow along. And then he he drifts off 16k, and next thing you know, he's yelling at camera bike. Uh, 1k time time and he said he didn't believe it in a you know, minute and yeah. solos in and then you, so then you had the the green jersey and, and then the whole peloton just comes in soft bottles no big deal guessing you know of the line first there but of those of those riders the the three never caught them uh hostetler cockard and uh edwin van bosenhagen uh, uh but then you kind of had some splitting up there of anderson wins Mezget does win the sprint finish and then a little bit third back you had kind of the last three for the sprint points and it, once again it's Bennett uh, Sagan and Matteo Trenton um when it, I, and I say deja vu so let's let's go over kind of what happened on stage 14 Anderson wins that I mean Sunweb um but for Hershey uh narrowly missing with Julian and then again um uh, the other day you know w- with um Pogacar and Roglic he ends up getting his win. Anderson gets a win. Anderson gets another win today. I mean, this team is kind of crazy. I mean, the, the tactics they're doing. But let's look at that real quick yeah. as far as what happened because stage 14, Julian Alaphilippe attacks over this climb. Sagan brings it back, looks around, has no teammates. Boom, Anderson attacks. Now you have the same thing. Mateo Trenton attacking. Sagan brings it back. They come over the top, and there's you know multiple riders there with with uh, teammates and Anderson's one of them and he goes and no one follows uh, your your point about I, I was shocked that Van Avermaet because you know you look and there and and Anderson in his uh, comments he's like oh I was on the limit but you look there they're they're coasting matter of fact the camera goes back to the peloton because you have a total direct energy guy I kind of I don't know what he's doing trying to bring things back they go back to Trenton and they're still coasting, and then Anderson takes off, and nobody reacts. I'm shocked. I, I think they shit the bed. I, I don't think the Quanta Quickstep needed to because of the points, but um, Mitchelton and CCC. What do you? What do you? Uh, what's your take on that? You, and then you said you think there's some kind of weirdness with CCC on there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. If you look at who was left in there that hadn't had any redeeming action in the race thus far, it would be those two teams, and it seemed like. Mitchelton had the right guy in there to help pull it back in, in Jack Bauer. He's a long range right. TV guy with, with a good engine. And I mean, Avermatt and Trentine aren't any slouches either. They've, they've done really well in the, the long range attacks and in, in the classics. Um, I think it was just a classic case of, I'm not going to chase you chase uh, for everybody. And that was just enough of a gap to kind of let Anderson get, Get away and there was there was some later half-hearted efforts it seemed from the group but at no point was there any cohesive action it was just uh kind of hero attacks off the front of, of what was left of that group um but obviously you know in retrospect if they had just kind of collaborated right when anderson attacked they could pull the back and reshuffle the deck but uh that that seems to be sunweb's deal this this year is that they've just played these stage winning tactics really well like you said stage 14 and the other stages where hershey was was close and even the stage yesterday yeah, when right. he had crashed out i mean he would have easily been able to i think give uh kwiatkowski a run for his money in the event it came down to a sprint so they've they've been in all the action while not having a, a proper sprinter or a proper gc guy and and i know that coming into this tour there was some hemming and hawing because sunweb did not bring michael matthews who 
would probably be a reasonable GC contender. He may be in like the top three, but uh, it seems like having left him off allowed the team to just focus on stage wins, not have to be in the action for green or anything like that. So in terms of team setup, not having a true sprinter, not having a GC guy has, has really benefited them for being one of the better teams this this race. Go back to yesterday. You make a great point. And I kept thinking about that. I was like those two guys off the front, um, Kerpaz and uh, Kwiatkowski, they, they just got to work together. You know, you bring someone and, and typically you don't see that for many reasons because you're having team riders counter off of each other to get rid of everybody. But they didn't have to do that because everyone just drifted off their wheel because they just set a pace and those two guys can hold it. You get Hershey in there. They've probably got to do team tactics to get rid of him. And then it comes down to a situation. Remember EF when they beat Bora, right? Um, uh, Danny Martinez was outnumbered, but he just was the stronger one. And you can have that if you're just one-on-one. So very good yeah. point there. Um, so then what about what about going into today with, well, one other thing. It, there was such a star-studded little field there that maybe Anderson was actually able to capitalize. You think, and he said, he goes, oh, my God, I'm looking around here. It's all these amazing riders. And then I go, and I can't believe they gave me a gap. But I think it's exactly what he said. Well, it's the... It's the situation you see in, in, in the classics all the time where one guy goes, they don't have teammates. They're not going to sacrifice and then, you know, have a, a sprint. So they're all sprinting for third or something. So what, what Trenton had some right. comments at the finish. Did you want to talk about those? <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled those up somewhere. Um, generally, his, his tone was, well, nobody wanted to, to race for the win. Everybody seemed content sprinting for second. And it's like, well, you were in that in that bag as well. Uh, what did he say? He said, I was, it was a pity the others wanted to make people lose rather than try to win. It wasn't a lot of fun for me. I would have preferred to have fought and lost the sprint for first than lost the sprint for eighth. And it's like, well, you've got full control over that. You, you could have pedaled your bike and chased Anderson. You could have, you could have done a lot more. Uh, so he, he also goes on to say, the break all happened in a moment. After the intermediate sprint, I decided to keep going because I knew that if we had brought Sam Bennett to sprint, we didn't have much of a chance of winning. So I said to right. Peter, let's go. He was convinced. Uh, he was convinced, and then Avermet came up to us as well, and in a moment, the group formed. I think the whole Peloton was very tired. The GC guys were thinking of the time trial tomorrow. Uh, after a stage with an average high speed, everyone's happy to let the group fight out this stage. So he says, I attacked first. This is uh, how the break went, or the, the winning move went. I attacked first. Peter closed me down. I was trying with Avermet. I told him everyone was on the limit a bit, and then Anderson picked the right moment again, and well done to him. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he, he kind of lets you a little have a little insight into what happened in the in the final move there. Um, everyone like, was on the limit, but... I like that he, uh, that he uh, told, told Sagan to come with him. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, which I don't get because he needs to make up points in Sagan and he's never going to beat Sagan in a sprint. But Right. So uh, you're good. Very good. <laughs> okay. Yes. Good point. And uh, that is very interesting, actually. Um, there was some other, I, I did enjoy that. Uh, there was another one, um, Anderson. Uh, he said, at, uh, I have to say in the last kilometer, I was screaming for them to confirm one minute. I didn't believe it. Two wins in the same tour. I'm speechless. I could never have dreamed about something better. Uh, very true. He said, when the group was there, they all had the best riders in the world on hilly terrain. And I thought, how do I beat these guys? The moment came after he, Trenton, had really attacked hard and I was on the limit. I thought that if I just had a small gap, they might look at each other. And this is exactly what happened. That was my luck. Now you, you say, um, but see, Trenton had just made a move. So it's, I get what he's kind of what he's saying there. He went all out. He strung those, that group out. And it was really up to Van Avermaet, I believe, at that point to take the, take the, the, the reins. 
which he didn't. Yeah. What I think a lot of guys don't, well, I'm sure they realize it, but it's, it's easier to blame other people is you just put in a big attack. A lot of guys had to work really hard to cover that. That's where their legs went. I mean, yeah, not everybody is in a position to counter that. Anderson was, was pretty deep in the group where he didn't have to do as much work to follow the attack. So, uh, yeah, Greg Avermitt could have been more heads up and, and not been a, as close to the front there as he was. But eh, in the end, I mean, it's it's Sunweb doing what they've done this whole tour is kind of one-twoing a lot of things. Right. Very impressive for them. Um, I mean, maybe, go ahead. Kind of changing it a little bit, going back to the start of the race, um, I, I didn't catch anything prior to the intermediate sprint. And, I mean, this is the last real road race of the tour, um, a road stage. H- how did a break of just – Cavania get up the road how are these other teams that haven't done anything not represented and and not make a go of it he pedaled hard and went faster than everyone else at that moment (laughs) i I saw i saw the break he just took off from the side of the the bunch and went and everyone Mm -hmm. i think so many riders are dead and they're looking for i mean you saw i don't know if he did sam bennett afterwards he was just all hunched over um you know he's really went deep and i think the green points jersey has made things insane um, when they're not going, and, and then even the KOM have been, you know, Jersey has been um, kind of making things insane when it's not necessary. Uh, and, and I'd like to talk about that real quick. Uh, so anyway, that's how he went off. Um, you, you sent a, a good little thing with Sep, and let's talk about that actually. Um, the KOM points. You yeah. you've made a good question. Um, I found this clip, and I, I thought I'd play it real quick. This is from the ITV uh, podcast. Ned Bolting, uh, Matt Rendell, David Miller, Peter Connick. Um, just check this out. Here we go. Right. Yeah, you know he's got uh, he's got a rule book. Yeah, it's got a rule book, Tour de France, and the rule book is the document you consult when you want to know the rules of the Tour de France. Okay, got you so far? Yes. Okay, when you go to the rule book, it says it tells you all about how the mountains competition works. What it doesn't say anywhere in the rule book, despite the fact that it's the rule book of the Tour de France, is that. <laughs> The mountain points in the time trial on Saturday do not depend on your position in the stage, i.e. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Oh, so, so they're timing it, are they? They're the timing bo- it. Told you. And it doesn't say this. so in the rule book. That's great. I think. So, I think that's brilliant. Think. So, so they can trundle, like, trundle, trundle. Yeah. So yeah. Carapaz trundle, trundle, can trundle, 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 trundle just, and then race up the climb. So there you go. He can trundle, trundle, trundle. That's the unique way to say it. So, um, one, uh, I, I, Ciccone had done that in the Giro. I remember that from the Giro last year, stage one, the time trial. He just kind of cruised and then hit the climb and got the best time up the climb. And I was like, yeah, why are we not doing this? They should be doing that for time trials, putting points out there. Um, later on in that <laughs> in that podcast, they said, what if we did that for the intermediate sprints, like the last mile before the sprint? Everything is timed. <laughs> I think they should go there too. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So you were correct. Now, the, in, in your defense, it wasn't in the in the book. So you're going to time that up the climb. You're going to be able to see Carapaz do that. Mm-hmm. Those other guys don't have the luxury of doing anything such as, you know, being able to, to slow down and, and hit the climb. Um, you think what do you, what do you think Carapaz's chances are of taking polka dots into uh, Paris? I would say pretty darn high. Um, I, I don't know what UAE has in the way of, of strong climbers left in the mix at this point, but you got to assume that Pogacar is going to be selling out for the entire TT. So his, his climb time will still be competitive. It just won't be the best. So I don't know 
if they can do anything in the way of team tactics to say, all right, everybody that's a climber, do the same thing that Carapaz is going to do and try and beat him to take points off the table. Yeah, good point. Um, but then I think you're just trying to get into like 40 chess at that point. You, you might as well just do your own race and, and hope for the best. And I think Carapaz probably goes easy, kills the climb, and, and keeps enough points to keep the jersey. 4D chess. It's more like uh, 4D hungry, hungry hippo, maybe. Um, I, I don't know that it's <laughs> right. uh, it's all that uh, extreme, uh, but yes, I think that's 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 something they can definitely do. Um, so you sent me a, an interview last night with uh, Sepp Cuss talking with um, Payson McElvin, is that right? the mustache yeah. uh, adventure writer who lives in Durango? So they're friends, and um, I watched. He that won one. the uh, the Red Bull Bay Hill Climb as well. That's right. He's so sponsored you- by Red Bull. Coincidence. That's true. Um, oh, he's still the pedal. It was a, it was a good interview. It also it showed a few things. One, um, as I always say, French internet Wi-Fi sucks, and that was uh, definitely. I mean, the audio came through, but Sepp's face kept doing the the the, the pause thing, um, break up there. Uh, but it was it was a great interview. For he said he's actually going to go for the time trial. Um, he said he will likely do a bike swap. Uh, he also said Roglic was likely to do a bike swap, but then I saw after the stage day they interviewed uh, Roglic, and he's like, oh, "It's going to be a moment by moment thing, so we'll see um, if that's actually going to happen." Uh, it's it's kind of cool that it's such a big deal right now that everyone's questioning it. Um, I I think that stage though is pretty nasty. I mean, I don't know if it's quite like Bergen because I think of the the distance, you know. Yeah, was it thirty k? Uh, yeah, thirty six k, I think. And then what, okay. the problem is you you just have the climb is longer, so it's uh, got one issue there. Um, so let's talk about uh, the Sunweb tactics. I, I mentioned that um, a little bit. So Julian attacks, like stage 14 comparison there. Um, did did Quick Quickstep not do anything about it beca- because of, you got some animals coming in there? You got some cats fighting over here. Cats, okay, cat fighting. Kind of like what we saw on the, the stage today. You think um, Decoyne didn't go for it because of the, the green jersey, that they were too worried about that and just that was their only factor? Yeah, uh, I would think so. Um, that, that was their only point of interest, I think. Yeah, stage one would be cool, but they want to secure the green. And, and you can see that's how Bennett was riding. I mean, he was just on Sagan's wheel all day. Right. That was all that they were focused on. And yeah, in the event that Sagan and and the rest of the guys hold them to the line, yeah, Bennett will make a run for the win. But I think that was secondary. So they they went they for went with two guys there, Drevidens and um and Bennett. They they decided a, a stage win is just not as necessary as this green jersey. That's interesting, coming from the coiner. I would think so. Yeah, and then I mean, that, that's what it looked like in the way that they were riding. Right, and then uh, Mitchelton, they just don't like winning, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the thing where it's like, okay, you, you've got Mezgech, and he's a decent classic sprinter, but he's not going to beat Trentin or he, Sagan or Bennett or maybe not even Nikias Arndt. So you would think that you wouldn't want to have him rolling into the finish with all those other guys. So if there was a move to follow, it probably would have been sending Mezgech with Anderson, like get right on that. Uh, yeah. But they, they hesitated just as much as everybody else, and it took – a few minutes before Bauer even came to the front and started putting in a dig himself. So. But Mezgig did um, beat Sagan in stage 14. Um, kind of heads up. I don't know if Sagan had just done too much and was kind of a little frantic because Bennett wasn't around. But um, yeah. Yeah, he had that anyway. Um, oh, he did, but he got second today, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so he, he, he's okay. But I think with the I think there's a, a difference between racing for second 
and, and racing for the win. And I think, you know, Sagan would probably turn it up to 11 if it was a win versus second. So, yeah, true. How about our favorite little subject here? Some things that make you go, hmm, you had uh, you had a few notes of interest. Yeah, I don't know if they're things that make you go, hmm, or if they're just kind of bummer all around. So looking at the Giro Rosa, um, there was a pretty big crash yesterday where Annemiek van Vluten and um, Spratt ended up having to go to the hospital. And both have got some pretty reasonable injuries. Van Vluten's got a broken wrist and, and Spratt has a shoulder dislocation. It looks like both of them have been ruled out of the, the world's race, which right. is a bummer because van Vluten's done pretty well there. Yeah. Um, and, and also... Sounds like Vanderpool's not racing worlds either. He's going to turn his focus to the classic. So uh, kind of a bummer because it's it's not a great course for him, but he always seems to rise to the occasion. So, so two things. One, I saw Lance uh, talking yesterday. He doesn't think anybody from the Tour de France is going to be able to do worlds well because he says you're just so trashed. Um, Hincapi, now, Hincapi felt otherwise. Hincapi felt otherwise. Uh, also, who felt otherwise was Sepp Kuss. He's like, nah. He goes, yeah. You're gonna be. You just kind of got to keep rolling it for the next few days. And um, I, he goes, I think you're gonna see some. And he, his point was, you're going to see someone who just did the tour light that course up. So um, maybe a Valverde because he hasn't. I mean, he's top ten ish, but um, he really hasn't had to. You know, he, he's not. Maybe he's saving a little more energy than some of those other guys. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the mix, but he hasn't necessarily been drilling it. Um, I, I did see an interview with. Um, Vincenzo Nibali, uh, he's he's on the Italian team of 80 people, and it, it he says he's not feeling particularly great, even though it seems like it would be a course suited for him because it's almost like Lombardia-esque. Yeah. Um, uh, but maybe he's just kind of downplaying his chances. I don't know. But you usually see him with a little bit more confidence coming into it. But uh, without going too far again off, off a tangent, it's just Italy's bringing 16 riders. That, that just seems... I know that's that's par for the course, but that's that's a big team. You said sixteen. Yeah, that's two teams. I know. That's that's you and have the A squad and the B squad. That's insane. Um, I did see the the British uh, team. They I think they taken Tom Pidcock. I think he had just won the Baby Giro. Uh, yeah. Was he in the Trainer Adriatico? It almost seems like he was. And then they didn't pick either one of the Yates. I mean, that could be you know Simon's heading to the Giro. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, speaking of, um, well, not speaking of, but let's go to the other uh, Jumbo Visma manager find and kicked off the tour. It was after stage 17. He's been an incident with the UCI officials in accordance with UCI article 8.2.2. The fine states that Zeman was removed from the race for intimidation, insults, improper behavior of a team manager towards a UCI member during the bicycle check carried out on stage 17. Um, in addition to being removed, the Tour de France... Zeman was also fined 2,000 Swiss francs. However, per him, um, he said, yeah, he reacted badly, but a UCI employee took apart the crank set of Roglic's bike, damaging it in the process, the team said, adding that the bike was found to be in accordance with the UCI regulations. They kept saying that over and over. So my kind of thing is I could totally see after stage 17, it's a hard day, you've been in the car all day, These some little UCI wank, is ripping your bike apart and you're like, oh my God, this is, this is uh, you know, Roglic is going to freak out if his bike it's, has to use a different one and all these, you know, your every little issue is going on. 
And I could see him getting uh, upset. First of all, why are they taking the bike apart? Second of all, there's so many other things out there that they should worry about, but they love to focus on, you know, motors and bikes because someone put out a YouTube video of Cancelera looking suspect a few years ago. Although we have had some incidences, but it's, you know, the cross race chick and then someone in a French race that was chased down by officials. Uh, right. It just seems so outlandish. What do you think about that? So was the UCI employee, did he have his UAE jersey on underneath his UCI <laughs> polo? And, and that is what kind of triggered it. But right, right. Uh, it, it just seems odd that they were, that they, I mean, they broke the bike. I could see him being pissed off as well because yeah. you've got your, your star guy who's probably very particular to fit and being, you know, adjusted to that bike. I mean, the guys come in with an A bike and a B bike or a number one, number two. So there's a reason that it's in that slot because they're used to riding it. Uh, so it was probably a little bit of like, insult as well where it's like you, you don't trust us to the point that you're breaking his bike to, to dig into it uh it, it seems like it was probably a little over the top and I, I don't know enough about what methods they use these days to check bikes but it used to be where they kind of ran an iphone in front of it and deemed it good but right. yeah a tiktok app was, was all that you needed right. uh, now you know when you first well, saw that when you first read that um what was did you know it was this incident or did you think it was uh the stage <laughs> The stage I, I thought it was in response to stage 18. I, I thought the fan coming on chasing down Ineos was, was the, <laughs> was the DS and he was just kind of like getting back at Ineos. Yeah. We, we ran Bernal out of town. We're going to take you guys out as well. So yeah, it was a little crazy, little, little, little crazy. Um, any, any reactions haven't had you on here for the week, uh, any reactions from the last week that you wanted to put up, you know, any of the racing, um, guys we've seen disappear. I mean, you know, talked with Jonathan Scriven about, you know, the poor preview and we're going into, you know, the planche de Belfi and I'm talking about, uh, Pinot and Roman Bardet and they're, they're gone, but any reactions yeah. from the last week? Um, it, it just seemed like, uh, uh, Roglic has done better than I thought he would in the last three big climbing stages. Um, I, I guess I wasn't surprised, but I had hoped for more. Um, Quintana just kind of faded. I don't know if that's some residual pain from his crashes. Uh, it, it was, I think, you know, you can look at some of the stages where the, uh, the, the mountains aren't necessarily finishing as a mountain top finish. They're finishing on like a descent to a sprint. And I, I thought those would be kind of lousy ways to finish the stages, but they've actually been pretty solid. So I, I think the last week has been pretty exciting racing. Uh, there hasn't been huge shakeups in, in the top of the GC, um, but it, it's been good racing. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Mark Tucker chimes in. He says, at least the UCI could show us a video clip of the rant. I bet it's good. Uh, yes, that would, that would, well, that might go against um, the accusations on both sides, right? It's, uh, I don't know that they're wearing body cam footage uh, or uh, cameras here. So that's probably not the case. I would actually like to see the damage. I mean, you know, cause the UCI, they, they're part of that article. They said, no, 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 no. The bike was fine. Well, uh, was it? I don't know. Are you a mechanic? I mean, you're digging around there and someone's uh, taking the crank off. That's taking cranks off isn't necessarily just a, you know, straightforward uh, process. So are you looking it up now? Yeah. See if you can find it. No, I'm, I'm not. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I've not been surprised. I picked Roglic for this tour. I, I believed he would win it. Just the, his Vuelta standing was, was so great. Uh, and you know, you're kind of looking at who the top was there. I mean, Pogacar as well. So Pogacar. So, um, I wasn't too surprised, but, um, been, and, and I must say, I'm trying to figure out why am I pulling for Roglic so much? What do I have any Slovenian connections? No. 
it's really the connection. I like Tom Dumoulin a lot. I've always liked Stephen Kreuzwick and Sepp Kuss. And last year was Sepp and Nilsson Palace. You had two Americans, just young guys, the only ones there to protect Roglic in the final week. And Sepp has been phenomenal. Hope he gets paid well because of it. So that's kind of my thing for going. Who's your um, who's, who's your pick to win the tour now? Let's go out on a limb. Oh, man, it's, it's up in the air. Is um, I, I think Bernal's got the legs to, to bring it back tomorrow. <laughs> well, <laughs> bring it back from his couch? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I was actually just pulling up the uh, the 2020 Slovenia and TT Championship results. Because I know Pogacar yeah. uh, beat Roglic, but it was only by nine seconds across a 30-minute TT. So... 30 minutes. Um, it's not like he blew him out of the water. He's going to pull back a minute tomorrow. Right. And let me see, 36K, it's probably not going to be a 30-minute time trial. Uh, especially no, that last it's going to be well over an hour. Yeah, yeah. That climb. And do you know what the the, the actual route was like? Hilly, no. downhill. They should do downhill time trials. Make it interesting. It fun. Yeah, you, you uh, Eric Houston, you guys would enjoy those a little bit more. Um, <laughs> so coming up. Tomorrow, that's the big one, stage 20. I've been looking forward to this since stage one. Uh, 36.2 kilometers, individual time trial, goes from 300 meters up to 12. KOM points on offer. Um, let's go, it's Jonathan Scriven also has a little description of this one. Uh, I think we might enjoy, here it goes. And right now, so um, the, the planche is what? Is it about seven, seven kilometers, six, or is it less? Yeah, so it looks like uh, right about the 30, there's a time check there where they start to pitch up between 27.5 and 30K, and it goes to, what, 36K. Okay, so, so you're looking okay. at the last, you know, okay. anywhere from six to so, 10. So the Planche de Belfi is, as you know, um, just brutal. I think it's up above 20%. It's a, it's a so I'll, I'll indulge me here, the, the historian. So the history, I looked this up a couple of years ago, actually, but the history of this town. So during the 30 years war, there was a group of mercenaries who'd come in and they were attacking the villages around the Vosges mountains. So we're in the Vosges mountains. And I love that we're talking about this in the Vosges mountains. Most people never heard of the Vosges mountains. Uh, we're in the Vosges mountains. So in the 30 years war, the mercenaries come and a group of the, the women from this local town, it's called something else. They flee up the mountains because they're afraid of being raped and killed and whatever and, yeah pillage you know all the all the traditional things i've and seen I think three amigos course, i know yeah and i think of course they were vikings because that's what vikings do the vikings were going to rape and pillage so they they raced up the mountain uh the mercenaries find out they're there they chase after them and then according to the legend rather than surrender or succumb to these mercenaries they plunge themselves off a cliff and and into a lake and kill themselves according to the story there's a young frenchman there who sees this happen he's a, he's a member of the army and he takes this big piece of wood that he finds and he carves in it, belle fille, beautiful women. And that is the story of Planche de Belle Fille. So you can thank me for that forever and ever. I, there you go. Uh, you know, they don't have uh, podium girls anymore, but they, uh, they have a climb dedicated to dead, beautiful women who threw themselves off uh, a cliff. Wonderful. Very, very nice. Yeah, so I don't know how that helps any of the riders, but uh, you get a little perspective on the uh, on the racer. Did you find you're doing some research in the interim there? Did you find something else that was interesting about the Planche de Belfi or in and or anything else? So I was just kind of doing some some thinking ahead to stage 21. Um, I mean, we saw how Caleb looked today. He looked like he was ready to climb off his bike. So I was, I was checking to see what the time cut is for tomorrow because mm. it's it's not going to be an easy TT. So the time cut is 25 percent of the winner's time is how the rule book has it set up. So if uh, 
like Roglic or Pojakar just absolutely blow it out of the water, yeah, Caleb might not be able to just kind of soft pedal his no. way through it as if it was a flat TT. Yeah. Um, with that finish, he's going to have to work, and he's probably going to be carrying in some extra fatigue into stage 21. So, You know, I was thinking about that earlier, uh, exact thing about, you know, the time cut. These guys are going to have to go a little bit, and what do they do? Do they go, like, you know, hard on the flat so that they – get to the climb kind of in with respect and then go up, but maybe they blow themselves out too much. I mean, it's a, you know, a few years ago we did uh, the, the cascade classic there and our teammate at the time was told to, to ride the time trial somewhat easy. So he went so easy. He missed the time cut. I think it was on <laughs> stage one or so. Stage in, two. Stage two. Bobby. <clears throat> yes. Robert Terra. So <laughs> don't, you know, keep that in mind. I, I had that fear at uh, Chico when I was doing the, the P one race that one year, like yeah, I, I might get time cut on this thing, but eh, I did I, actually my best time trial ever, which was still like uh, nice. bottom third. <clears throat> so sweet. You needed that fear, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, how about the ride of the day? Who do you have for us? Uh, I'm going to go with Bennett, and it's kind of uh, an accumulation of, of ride of the week. Um, you know, you, you look at what what Bennett's done over those hills just to stay engaged while going for the intermediate sprints leading into them. I mean, he's, he's really gone deep in, in this tour to fight for that green jersey. He could have easily just kind of fallen back and done the soft pedaling like uh, like Ewan and some of the other sprinters are doing, but he's really gone after it to, to keep the jersey and, and accumulate a bigger lead. And even today where it, it's not a stage that appears to suit him in any way, shape, or form, and, and he did an amazing job just kind of staying engaged, marking his guys, and, and being where he needed to be. So he didn't get a win, but he, he – Packed on a few extra points, so it's it's impressive to see him kind of change the makeup of the race overall. Where a lot of guys, I mean, you you heard the Seth Cuss interview last night, yeah. where he was talking about stages that were historically <laughs> chill days have just been all out because guys are fighting for this green jersey. So it's it's cool to see there actually be a real fight for for that jersey and and kind of change the the dynamic. Yeah, good pick. Uh, Bennett, just to see him hunched over at the finish, you know, he's got his jersey off, yeah. he's waiting to go on the podium, and he has a towel over his head. And I was like, geez, it was rough. It looked like he just made it through the, you know, with the broom wagon, but no, he still picked up sprint points at the end. And yeah, exactly right. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to, there's only him that you pick, or you pick uh, Anderson. Who else do you pick today? Uh, nobody. So I have to go. Song Cry Anderson, his, his way, that guy took off motor and you knew what he you knew what he can do because he just had done it and he just yeah. did it again and they all sat there and i'm flummoxed by it and um good for him but i want i wanted to see a little bit of a more of a duel but it was still good to see it. 16k 16k he took off from the finish um and and went a, held it off so perfect who's and your that was well planned because yeah. those 16k were there was you might have thought oh man that's early but there was a lot of downhill in there where he was able to just kind of maintain the gap while probably putting out the same effort as, as the guys chasing him. So it was, it was a really well thought out attack. Similar to stage 14. I mean, and, and yeah. once again, that group, that whole time, they had just come over a little climb. Uh, Bennett was, you know, swaying on the back and then they had a little bit of a, a, a flat and then they had a pitch and that's when Mateo Trenton hit it. And other than that time, no one was trying to stretch it out. So he just hit them at the perfect time. I don't know what to say about Sunweb, man. They've been uh, they've been very impressive. They come away with a win. I mean, you've got NTT that's got nothing, CCC that needs a win and a sponsor. You say both Mateo and um, Greg Van Avermaet, they'll be fine. But you know that team is kind of going away. It looks like uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of teams out there that just didn't have Mitchell Scott, although they had the yellow jersey, they still haven't got a win. So they were all looking for it. 
I think CCC will be fine. I, I've heard rumors that the team that tried to buy Mitchelton Scott is probably going to step in and, and buy the CCC license. So that could be a total crap show next year. But Sweet. I, I think the one area where, where Sunweb is, is failing is uh, getting batteries in the uh, radios of their riders because how, how do you go on a 16K attack and have no idea what your time gap is? What, what's the DS doing where they're not giving him any information? Uh, siesta. It seems like you would know. <laughs> they're 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 already partying in the car. We make a party. Yeah, right. So, who right. knows? Who knows, Chris? Uh, who's your pick for tomorrow? For tomorrow? Oh man, that's a toughie. Um, You've already said Carapaz win the KOM. Okay. Yeah, I think he'll. Well, I don't think he'll necessarily be the fastest up the climb, but I think he'll get enough points to keep the jersey. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think you got to go with with, with Roglic. Um, he's he's shown that he's got a good overall tt so the the effort leading into the climb will be solid and he's shown he's a, a good climber if you look at um whether it's uh, miguel Angel lopez uh he's he's got a good climb but i don't know if he's going to be able to put in the effort leading into the climb to really put a dent in what roglich or, or pagachar can do um dark horses might be tom dumoulin um he's got a killer tt and he can go uphill well enough and i i don't know what sep can do in a tt we know he can climb, but I don't know what he can do before the climb. So I'll lean um, Hojikar just so he can kind of put a stamp on on the tour. Uh, he's going to have that extra motivation. But I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar from the likes of Bogachar or Dumoulin. Yeah, um, I, I think you're going to throw a port in there. I'm trying to remember which year it was. It was the year that um, Bardet was on the podium of the Tour de France. Maybe it was 17, 16, somewhere in there. Uh, they had an uphill time trial. And, you know, guys didn't swap bikes in. Port put in a hell of, now he had had all kinds of trouble um, earlier on, you're missing stuff out, but he put in a hell of a time trial. He can time trial. So I think it's curious because there's like Landa, Lopez, uh, a few of these guys that can't really time trial. So how much energy are they going to blow out trying to do really well on the flat to keep a pace that's going to then hurt them on the climb? Whereas, like you said, Pogacar, Pogacar, um, Roglic, and I, I would say Port can all hammer that, you know, Pogacar is going to, I mean, sorry, Ruglic is going to have be able to time himself off of um, hearing uh, how Dumoulin did too. So Dumoulin will probably put in a solid time, give him some uh, some split info and a little bit of a heads up. And um, I'm. Do you I'm, think um, do you think Port can leapfrog Lopez? No. So Port's oh, down a minute no. thirty. No, he. I don't think he can leapfrog. Um, Lopez has to really put in kind of a. Uh, Michael Rasmussen type of time trial where it's just, you know, he's fallen over just, it's a mess. And, uh, yeah. to, to do that. So I think you're going to see the top three staying, staying the same, but I think you're going to see a gap to Pogacar from Roglic. Uh, but I think, and I think Port's going to close himself down to very close to third place, but he's not going to, it's going to be those three. And, um, I'm going to go out I'm going to say Roglic is going to win it, but I'm going to pull him for Port. So, I'd like to see him have a good TT. He's a really good tour, and, and he's going to Ineos next year, right? Yeah, that's a rumor. He's going to have a, a good team. Right. So what's your pick for um, the final? Let's, let's see here. Um, Mark Tucker says, tri-point practice. He's always pushing it. I appreciate this. Tri-point practice race Sunday, 9 a.m. Rumor has it Mike's Bikes is going to come out to Parte. Ride details on so DoubleKings.com. We'll, we'll, are they calling them. it a race now or are these laps practice still, or race. Is something different? i don't know i don't okay. know the liability goes out there but he says practice race it's in lanthrop okay. lathrop he says La okay lathrop sorry i'm not a local thanks mark for that will um those locals out there that want to do that um there you go so mark here's another thing it's that, a flat race right 
So another way to get this out, Mark, you can share this show with someone and it helps everybody. Um, so who's your pick for uh, Sunday and uh, on, the, on the stage? And is, and is Bennett going to hold the green jersey? I think points-wise, it's 70-some points left, so technically it's available, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, there's 70 points left on Sunday. He's got a 55-point lead. He's going to have to like fall off his bike or not finish to lose that. Too but I think, um, I think Ewan rallies for the win. I think he kind of plays it smart and, and wins on, on the champs. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Um, I would, I would go for him, but you know, who a guy that just kind of is going to throw it out there. I think you're going to see up there is uh Christoph. So somehow he comes through with some weird stuff and he's, I think he's won on the champs the day before. So uh, maybe so. Now the champs is, it, it's pretty rough terrain. So I would throw in as my second pick. I'll go with, wow. Oh. Uh, he, he might have himself a, a, a good day in the event. You know, Pojakar is in the yellow and safe, and they they give him the. Well, you don't want Pogacar. You don't want Pogacar in the yellow for him, but yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Roglic. Right. Okay. Well, that's your pick. Uh, I'm. I would love to see Caleb. I, I really enjoy watching him sprint. I'd like to see him as well. But I'm going to give it to Hofstedler of uh, Israel Cycling Academy. Just okay. <laughs> Just to, to to be odd and different, and see if we have anything else. Uh, any last uh, thoughts about the Tour de France before we send everyone off for the weekend? Uh, I, I think the biggest—I wouldn't call it an improvement, but I think the the award for the Tour so far actually goes to to Simon Garens. He's done a really good job stepping in and and being a an on air guy. Uh, I was expecting it to be a little choppy, but he's got really good insights, and he he's he's focused on the race. He doesn't give a rip about the chateaus and whatnot and he's a brutal land art critic yeah, very and i much appreciate so. that so yeah, yeah people, I, I liked having him on there people don't know you know you'll see those bikes out there or you know the farmers are putting stuff in the fields and the show from the helicopter and he rates them and he and he rates them brutally he's not like oh that's so nice that that nice little uh you know farming lady but no it's he's like that's a one out of ten and he's just brutal right. uh, quick quick note on that i heard the vela news uh podcast with Bobby Julik and um, Lachlan, no, no, Lachlan's brother. What's his name? Morton? Angus. Angus. Yeah, how can you forget that? Angus Morton. Uh, and they talked to Matt Keenan, who had been doing the uh, the, the commentary and, and took over from Phil Liggett and them. kind of. So uh, I would actually suggest you, it's really good, kind of down memory lane of some 80s racing stuff, but how he got mm -hmm. into it and kind of the hate he got online for when he started to take over for Phil and Paul. You know, he's like, I would ask some people, you know, how they actually say their names. And so, you know, I would pronounce it that way. And you're like, they're getting hate. You're like, that's not how Phil and Paul pronounce it. Like, well, okay. So, you know, they called... Uh, Chiapucci, like cappuccino or something like that for a while. So what are you going to do? It's it, it's funny how long Phil has been on the mic. I pulled up, yeah. uh, I got a lot of time to kill. I work at home, so I put things on the TV in the background. So I pulled up the, the 1993 World uh, Road Race that, that Lance won, and no Phil way. was doing the play-by-play -play there. Yeah, it was it was a good race, and it was, it was funny hearing him on the mic, Yeah, however long ago that was, oh, five, seven years ago. Uh, that's a while ago. Uh, who's your pick yeah. for the U.S. Open? Let's get that, and then let's get out of here. Who was leading yesterday, Jordan? I didn't. Yeah, I think so. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I stopped watching it after a while. We had some meetings. Uh, good grief. Um, I didn't look at the full score sheet from yesterday to see who was still in it, but it seems like it's it's. Um, Dustin Johnson's been really hot. Yeah. Uh, he just won the uh, whatever the the tour. I don't know if it's still the FedEx championship. Event, but yeah. Ten million dollars, either that or he's still ripped on coke or something, and, and can't 
play, but he'd be a good pick just because he's been on a real hot streak. So. Gretzky's uh, been trying to get him into rehab. Uh, I, actually, I don't know about that. That's he's dating his daughter. Uh, I speaking of the money though, uh, there was um, maybe I'll have to look at it when we do a recap. Is the the amount earned? And I think Roglic had been winning the most uh, money up to date. The uh, pro cycling stats they have some they have all kinds of stats, and one of them was these. Uh, but it's only like forty three thousand dollars at some, this point. But Jumbo, as you can imagine, is uh, winning uh, the most money. But you know, Sunweb. I mean, they're coming up there, so good for them. I think there should be a bonus for whoever wins the uh, the team classification. Movie star? Something other than yellow helmets. Right. Well, I don't know about that. Thanks, Chris. Any last words? Yep. Nope. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us in the Between Two Wheels podcast. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. And, you know, let's a word of prayer out there for those beautiful girls getting thrown over the cliff. Thanks, Chris. Yep. Thank you. <laughs>